Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. We shouldn't have been there. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, the Count Hale. <laughs> Wait, why aren't you going into a crazy Shakespearean speech for like five oh, minutes right. now? <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> people, we are the Canon Canon. We are the podcast where we talk about canon films and all of their amazingness. And we are also the podcast where we talk about movies that we deem as could have been a canon. Now, could have been a canon. Been a canon. Now, what is a could have been a canon? Well, it's a movie probably around the same time that you are shocked that canon films did not make it in the hundreds of films that they Correct. made and or said they would make. And I mean, today is today is up there with one of the probably most, if not the most, could have been a canons we maybe yep. have ever done. It's a prime could have. It is prime could have, baby. If you're going on Amazon Prime, just go to that could have been a <laughs> canon section. <laughs> we have a little section there now. What a dream. Canon, canon. I mean, movies we think you'll like might as well be called Could Have Been a Canon whenever I see right. the Amazon Prime recommendations. <laughs> um, and I'm like, seen it, seen it, yep, seen it. Um, so, uh, you know, as you probably know, if you have listened to us before, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. One of the benefits, if you're a certain level, the greatest or Golden Globus, those are our top two tiers of being a Patreon member, is that if you are a member for six months, you uh, get to pick and introduce a could have been a canon for us. And I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, saying this to blow smoke up our, our Patreon members' butts, but truly, every single one that we have done has been fantastic. They get they, it. They did it. They, like, everyone, I'm just like... They and get even though, it. They get it big time. And and even the ones that at first I'm like, oh, is this going to be really? And then I'm like, pretty quickly, oh, yeah. Today, wildly no exception. Um, yep. And so, uh, yeah, today's pick is, uh, and I'm going to apologize if I'm butchering it. We j- literally just before <laughs> said, let's get his name right. Joaquin Dantes. Uh, he is a, uh, a huge supporter of uh the canon canon uh also buoyed both of our spirits during uh especially like quarantine and like you know deep in pandemic when he kind of reached out and was just like you guys have helped me get through the pandemic like it is yeah. he's been looking forward to it. and he mentions it uh in his intro um but uh he he's a he's a fantastic supporter of this and so I also want to say, so he went in even thinking about us. Uh, he had sent us a message, and, and you know, most of the time, uh, and it's the way it usually goes. Like someone's like, "I've I've have one in mind. This is what I've been thinking." He had three in mind, and they all were intriguing. And he kind of left at us because he also knew. Look, we've been talking about it. We 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 were in hot January. 
you know, Hot Chili and Hot Resort are competing <laughs> for. They're actually, I gotta say, the numbers aren't bad on them. Like, uh, really? Yeah, they're not. Uh, comparatively, good. for some of our, like, you know, we've said this always. We go into some of these canons knowing this is like a movie you can't see anywhere, and those are yeah. two teen sex comedies that are only available on YouTube. But yeah, they're not doing too bad, honestly. And although right now I think Hot Chili is behind Hot Resort, and I think that is a bummer. I told everyone they need to vote with their hearts and with yeah. their listens. So you got to get Hot Chili more than Hot Resort. I think both episodes are fantastic on our end. Mm-hmm. Movie-wise, not as much. Uh, but so uh, uh, so Joaquin uh, gave us three options. Um, uh, he gave us uh, Black Eagle. Uh, which at, and he also said, I, because of, I know you've got some tough ones coming. I want to look out for one that people would want to listen to just from knowledge. And I was like, look at you looking out. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, his first one was black Eagle, which is, if you don't know, uh, Shokasogi, Shokasogi, uh, uh, JCVD. Joe Kasugi. Oh my God. I am Joe Kasugi. <laughs> Joe Kasugi. Guys, we are also, Joe. we have had weeks oh, upon yeah, weeks. weeks of, we, yeah. There are weeks and there are weeks. Both of us have, our brains are busted by life. This is, yes. this right now is truly the thing bringing us the most joy in the past couple weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he chose at first, but he, he suggested Black Eagle, which uh, show stars in it. JCVD is uh, the villain in it, uh, and at first we were like, "Let's do that." Uh, I, it was kind of on my list, anyways. Uh, the second option too was the Purge two, which we both were intrigued because we did not understand. And he said he could right. make a case for it. We still don't know because we did watch it. I've only watched the first Purge <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. Maybe one day we will. Um, and. Before I say what one we went to, because the one we went to is what he actually really wanted us to do. And he was a smart man for that. But I had said Black Eagle. And then, you know, he actually reached out and he goes, I'm not going to lie. I rewatched it. It's a lot more boring than I remember. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to say, that is a very good review of Black Eagle. It is. It's not as good as you want it to be. It's a lot of show being a really bad dad. Uh, mm. <laughs> it's just like, he truly is. You're just constantly just like, this is just bad dad. You're just a bad dad. The movie should call, be called Bad Dad. Um, and so, you know, I was, because I was like, oh, JCVD will get butts in the seats as well as show. But I was actually happy we didn't end up watching it because his third pick was, and here's the fun part about it. I truly, I watched it. Uh, spoiler, we both loved it for mm. what it is in the best way possible. Yeah, for what it is, yeah. <laughs> but I also, for the life of me, can constantly not remember what the name of the movie is. I keep wanting right. to call it Empire City. For some Empire reason. City? I don't know. I think I know fucking why. I think bull. I know because I'm a fucking idiot. But <laughs> the movie we we are pick, uh, that uh, that got picked is the 1987 movie enemy territory and it is uh well first off uh, i want joaquin to give us his intro because it is a fantastic intro and really lays it out so please let us know why we are watching enemy territory 
Hello, my Canon Canon friends. Joaquin Dantas here, speaking directly from the hot, hot city of Natal, from the Rio Grande do Norte state in Brazil, which can be translated as Christmas City from the Great River of the North, which is a very weird name, but I guess this is where I live. First of all, I want to thank you guys, Jeff and Frank. Man, your podcast was one of the things that helped me survive in a mentally healthy way the quarantine years, so thank you very much. I'm always waiting for Friday to listen to you guys. Keep doing the good work, man. I love you. But well, let's get down to business. 1987's Charles Band produced Enemy Territory or, as I like to call it, Die Hard in the Warrior's Tower, which could be very well be located in the neighborhood massacred by Bronson in Death Wish 3. <laughs> how about that for a pitch, huh? And come on, how about that for a could-have-been-a-cannon connection? But doesn't stop there. If we list the main bullet points that make a canon movie a proper canon movie, take into account the great scientific data that's right, guys. Collected by your podcast and the wonderful, wonderful books by our canon guru, Mr. Austin Trunick, I think we could come up with some sort of a formula. So let's go. Number one, a pitch that can be awesomely reduced to a mix of two or more, usually more, movies that were successful or at least somewhat successful at some point. As should have been clear by this point, the idea of making Die Hard, before Die Hard, by the way, set in a housing complex dominated by post-apocalyptic gangs like the Warriors and worthy of a Bronson slaughter, seems to fit that mold pretty well. Number two, a dash of brutal violence. As an example, we have here, in enemy territory, a kid being killed with a shot to the face before 15 minutes of the movie. In addition, countless threats to any female character of rape and or torture. Children put in danger also seems to be a canon hallmark and boy, we have a lot of that here. Number three charismatic and or over-the-top performances. For this, check out the performance of Ray Parker Jr., Mr. Ghostbusters theme song himself, as the more badass electric company guy in the history of electric company guys. Jan Michael Vincent's superb performance as a paranoid war veteran who builds a survivalist bunker in his apartment. And of course, pre-Candyman Tony freaking Todd as the psychotic Shakespearean leader of the Vampire Gang. I love that name, by the way. The Count. This is the stuff dreams are made of. Number four, a at least curious soundtrack. And in that department, in my opinion, Enemy Territory does not disappoint. I highlight the music that kicks off at the end of the film. Let's see if Jeff can capture this almost secret reference to the theme of his favorite movie. A more hip-hop version, shall we say, of that theme? But anyway, the music is great. Very upbeat, very catchy. I love it. And finally, number five confusing politics, of course. I will leave that part for you guys to crack open because, well, 
That's your job. Go ahead. Have a few days. Nudity is not required, but we still find some of Kenon's lees here in a completely unnecessary and utterly hilarious prostitute's apartment scene. I think that's it, my brothers. I think that's it. I've already said too much. Siege movies are one of my favorite genres, and this one is one of my favorite little-known Siege movies. I hope you like it. Before I go, I like to dedicate this episode to my dog Nick, who turned 21 this month and is living his twilight years. He has spent many, many late nights with me watching Mr. Chuck Norris slowly climbing up walls. I love you, my little friend. Thanks for making this part of my life that I call happiness. That's it, fellas. Hasta la vista, boys. I mean, fantastic. Uh, fantastic you nailed it nailed it uh and you know uh, uh shout out to your dog uh uh we, you know <laughs> we seriously we you had there a tribute uh you know you you've, you've got an elder dog yeah. uh we feel for that uh shout out to your uh bronson impression that was a good bronson it was yeah. a good bronson uh almost as good as this movie oh segue uh but yeah go. so enemy territory i mean there's a little bit of what can I say about this movie? It is, I mean, what I can say is, is oddly not really available anywhere. Um, it's it's a YouTube link again that we had to watch. Uh-huh. It seems like there must have, and maybe I need to look because this is one that I was like, I would probably buy a cheap physical copy of this because it's so hard to fucking find. Yeah. Um, it looks like if we're going off the YouTube, it must have been mgm dvd released at some point because it well right i the info on this it says to this day the film has never been released on a region one dvd okay as of march 4th 2018 mgm has no current plans to release the film on dvd i believe it came out on laserdisc or something man yeah i mean this is one that goes, I mean, it must, maybe it's rights issues, maybe it's something, it feels like it well, should get. Because of Empire Pictures, yeah. Yeah, it just feels like it should have, but may, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe that's why I'm thinking Empire City all the time is Empire Pictures. Right. Um, but, yeah, it is, uh, I, I, like, I, even I'm just shocked that it's not on one of those, like, remember, I don't think they still do it. Was it MGM and Paramount they would do, like, can't remember what the brand was, but essentially they weren't putting out DVDs. But if you bought one, they would burn it for you, basically. Oh, and they would. Di- there was a period, I think, Rolling Thunder. That was the only way you could get it. Like it was like it's like they're like we don't have enough market for this, but we own it, and so you'd get it, and it would come in like a DVD box. I'm totally blanking on what they would call that brand, and it really was just like the same white background, and they would just put the cover on it, and there was nothing else, no extras. But they were just like, we own it. Not enough people want it. We're not going to make hundreds and thousands of these. But if you want it, we'll make it for you for 20 bucks. We'll Um, have an intern burn it for you. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, and I don't... Stamps.com. I I can't fathom that it was profitable even enough in that version to deal with that. But I'm shocked it wasn't... It's not available there. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, Severin, Vinegar Syndrome, Blue Under Anyone, Full Moon... Like what's going on? Like, well, yeah, it's, 
that I mean, it's the same person. Yes. From Empire Pictures, we have uh, Charles Band. Yeah. Who later went to found? Who later founded Full, Full Moon, Moon Pictures? So you would think that he would take his empire. I'm sure it is a rights thing, though. But if it's got, he was be. in charge of Empire Pictures, that he'd probably have that. That, but I guess there's a brand. Yeah, Full yeah. Moon Pictures. You know, there's a specific. Although it could fit into that, I think. I think so too. I mean, I don't. It just feels like right now, especially when work, everything is like kind of nostalgic. But it just does feel like. But I, I, I was gonna say it does feel like it should. Someone should put it out. But we have kind of talked about this with soundtracks, as well. That like action related movies kind of get the short end of the stick, in the retro revival. I think like it. Yeah. I don't. I just don't think they get as much love. Like you'll you'll get some. Uh, Blood sport and over the top boots here or there, yeah. But if it's horror, of course. And same with soundtracks, like because you know, spoiler, we'll get into it. Our catchphrase: we're going to talk about it. This is get ready for some Garlock bold statements. Uh, up there, if not, I can't be with Blood Sport in there. It is, it is up there with one of my favorite soundtracks we have listened to in a movie. Yeah, it's great. It was utterly impressive throughout well one of the guys because it was a duo sam uh i don't know if i'm saying this right winans uh-huh. w-i-n-a-n-s and richard Koz kaczynski <laughs> right who was actually a member of the detroit rock band sunday funnies oh little sunday and, funnies <laughs> yeah and uh they con- he contributed to albums from bonnie Raitt, the temptations of four tops and aretha franklin and also was part of the soft rock ensemble waku interesting i know i think and i did know a lot waku. of moon scores uh yeah did stuff for pound puppies in the legend of the big paw teen or wolf legend of big paw pardon me yeah and a barbaric gravedale high yeah teen wolf so. the cartoon Oh uh, my god. Yeah. Remember that intro? Yes. Uh, Where it's like it's like rotoscoped. Yeah. yeah. So weird. Uh yeah, Scott Scott has cartoon. a sister and she wants to be a werewolf and she's not there yet. Um, yeah. I think grandpa shows up and hijinks ensue. There's probably a dog. Oh, you know it does. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm I watching mean, it with Punky Brewster. Oh man. Saturday mornings. Yes. Uh the show, the show idea is so good. They needed to make it into a cartoon as well, uh, right? With a magical little cat. My God, just add magic great theme animal. song too. Yeah. Speaking of great theme songs, yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they did a lot of stuff enough that I was like, okay, I guess I need to check out, like, go on weird deep dives of like other soundtrack stuff they've done. Um, it's mostly like full moon picture stuff, though. Yeah, I know. So that is the interesting part. Like that, one of the reasons. Like I'll say why i was wary at first but also uh psyched when we started watching it is uh look i think you and i have a wide breadth of knowledge when it comes to these types of films i think this is kind of a a blind spot not just this movie but full moon charles band associated movies like i know enough like and I know enough that like Ghoulies, Ghoulies too. Like that's an I was empire. About to say, of Trancers from Beyond, Trancers. Reanimator. But even the, yeah, so it's like if you go, it's like Trancers, Reanimator from Beyond. Maybe I've watched once. Troll. Troll is Troll was. Huge. I mean, these are all Empire Pictures. 
Yeah. We might have to do Troll because I saw it streaming as a could have because that oh. movie was, I mean, I think we've talked about it, but that was like a weirdly, much like what I found out with the Barbarians, but like I watched that like I way too many tons. times. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. And I have it on VHS somewhere in my house currently because I, I taped it. a big Troll fan, yeah. And it's odd how much I was into it. Like, and, and yeah. then freaked out when I realized Sonny Bono was a person, not just an actor <laughs> in that movie. Uh, right. Was nauseated Julia by Louis him. Dreyfus? Dying. Yeah. Uh, I was upset. I mean, and also had fucking Moriarty, the guy from uh, who's in like Cue the Winged Serpent and God told me like right. all the Larry Cohen movies and then in Law and Order, I believe. But like, yeah. Um, and I'm still weirdly obsessed with when that girl is getting possessed by the troll and like eats that fucking burger with the works yeah uh, like oh god i know what yeah, it tastes uh, Noah like hathaway from uh, yeah. Neverending story my yeah. god yeah As harry potter shit man all right yeah we might have to watch yeah, we're gonna Troll. Watch it. <laughs> but so there's those main ones but i guess it is more of like it's empire i'm more familiar with even though we didn't know enemy territory but like full right. moon i just we've talked about it. i just didn't completely gravitate towards it yeah um, i never really kind of Got on my wavelength, but I, I can appreciate yeah. what Full Moon does. But in but. my mind, it was always like a little too cheap and a little too scummy, like or the possibility yeah. of scummy. Um, and look, we uh, we, uh, we might like the the dregs of uh, of film sometimes and the monsters of exploitation cinema, but we're also. <laughs> Frank and I are a little sensitive boys. <laughs> like, I just don't have time for evil bong. Yeah, I, and that is the <laughs> other part. When it gets to that point where I'm like, I truly don't have time for evil bong. Like, what am I do- I, I, I already have enough times watching some things where I question, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> I keep trying to find three hours to watch the Fableman uh fableman's yeah uh, wait fable wait fableman yeah <laughs> i get to meet uh, the, the fableman the, the, yes. <laughs> meet the apple gates uh yeah but yeah the, the new spielberg movie because i got a a screener of it and, and so you're like i, I like, gotta watch spielberg jerk off to his mother and film for three yeah. hours i mean same but i mean that's why i just watched the wild bunch broke it up over like eight nights <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, truly, you summed it up totally. It was like, evil bong, I don't got time for your shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that is just a lot. But so I think that's kind of led to like, if I, if I, uh, clearly a lot of Empire production stuff we've watched, but it's not, it, it didn't register my brain as like a go to. It wasn't a canon. It wasn't a Carol Co. It wasn't a fucking orion even like you know yeah, where you're seeing or yeah, and, yeah it was closer to trauma where i'd be like eh, yeah. i don't have time for trauma like honestly um and uh i don't like rockabilly enough for trauma uh and so <laughs> i uh that's where you and i differ i sir. know you got plenty of time for that <laughs> well <laughs> Oh, God. He just took out his coffin upright base. Jesus, Frank. <laughs> um, just meet me in my black Cadillac, baby. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the mommy's coming after me. <laughs> I got my hot rod going and I'm gonna see. <laughs> Wolfman's in a big, raw, steady car. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> that being said, the fun then of the having wolf that man stole my pop made. 
<laughs> the creature from the Black Lagoon wants a catalytic converter. <laughs> um, what Let's it, just start a band. Let's start a band. Really? I mean, look, Let's I lied. I love Rockabilly and I love Psychobilly <laughs> even more. Um, no, but I, I think like the nice part then, though, is that it leads to some of these blind spots means that welcome to the beauty of cinema, film, that at this point in our life, we can be like, what the fuck is enemy territory? Like, is this going to be another one where I'm like, eh, just like a low rent action movie? I've seen a billion of them. Like, am I going to be uh, Red Scorpion here where I'm just like, oh, this didn't live up to what I exactly wanted it to be. This movie lived up to everything I didn't know I thought I wanted and more. <laughs> it was like almost immediately you're like, oh, yeah, this movie is a trip. Yeah, it is a it's like Tucker Carlson took too much uh nyquil and fentanyl yes. and this is his fever dream it is wild frank that this is the first appearance of stacy dash <laughs> yep yep stacy because there's a bunch of people who's also there's a lot of people you know in this movie people yeah. and more than you think every time a scene comes on you're like is that yeah kadeem Her- harrison <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> like, I was like whoa, whoa. Kind of doing his role, and I'm going to get you, sucker. Exactly. Which is crazy. But it is crazy that this is Stacey Dash's first movie, and that it's you could imagine that she was like, yeah, this is what life is like. In New York City. In New York City. So when Trump comes around, yeah, when Trump comes around, I'm going to turn into a fucking monster about my beliefs. Um, Because, yeah, this movie is, uh, as uh, Joaquin pointed out, is a uh, uh, questionable politics wet dream. Uh, and yeah. I also love that he kind of left. He's like, I'll let you two handle it <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, it truly is. But also is canon confusing politics because they do weave in and out of it. Like you're just yeah. like all of a sudden you're like, OK, I guess we're dealing with the concept of systematic racism uh, for like literally not sometimes even a seed sometimes like six lines <laughs> yeah that's it like let's show how the cops are careless to the black community right. uh, just for a little bit because let's, let's go, go overboard a cab and also doesn't really lead to much because they're just like yeah we'll show up i mean <laughs> well then also they were like uh, the cops aren't gonna come around here they got shot at and it's like well yeah that's their fucking job that's <laughs> right. fucking new york for you fucking guys hey, all right um but yeah i mean like it or pretty much it does feel like there are moments where yeah tucker carlson took a took a script notes pass on it <laughs> um he just did punch up though that's the part like yeah the main idea but even it took about my wife was asking me what the movie was I described it for maybe half a sentence, and she's like, you can always trust canon to have a nuanced take on politics. And I was like, that's why this is a could have, because it ain't even canon, baby. Um, But yeah, I mean, essentially, also as is pointed out in our intro, like it kind of has a good mark of a canon and could have been a canon, because you can very much elevator pitch this movie 
in about two seconds, even if it's a movie that came after this, which is crazy, and we'll get into it. But this movie is essentially uh, Die Hard meets the Warriors. Like, yep. it's a siege movie. It is uh, about an insurance adjuster who I texted Frank. It was like, my God, I can't wait to do an impression of this guy in his <laughs> acting. Uh, he could not be you more know, weirdly New York. <laughs> I will say this. like, um, I mean, the stereotypes were pretty broad in this film. Uh-huh. Uh, but man, at least the white guy was pretty broad as well. Everyone I mean, it was, was. It was pretty close to like stand up level, like yeah. white people sound yeah. like kind of impression. Hey, what, what, hey, what we gonna do here? What's going on here? <laughs> well, I guess I'll leave then if I'm not wanted yeah. here. <laughs> hey, man, I just need you to sign this on the dotted line. Get out of my way. You're gonna watch the car? Okay, keep on that radio. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, bother me. But it truly was because it, it, what, it was like, um, uh, Everyone had access to uh, broad stereotypes. Uh, yes. It it was kind of like Everyone. when it was kind of like when a sketchy stand up is just like, hey man, I look at I look at all sides. Right, like it just happens that most of the side I look at is conservative. But I'm an equal offender. Yes, okay? equal opportunity offender, and in this case, it is equal opportunity broad acting and characterization throughout yeah. because it's like, yeah. The, it's essentially like what is happening here. An insurance adjuster has to go uh, get a signature from from uh, a little old lady who wants to get a $70,000 insurance policy. Um, we have been given the info very quickly that he's an alcoholic and he's fucked up his life somehow. With a fresh bottle. With a fresh bottle of Here's JD. A, that, that whole that scene, I laughed out loud yeah. because it's one of those things where it's like, like a kid almost like being like, and this is what they do. They hide it in there. And it's like a very clean, pristine, like they literally just bought it from the store. Yes. Pristine bottle instead of like a kind of like haggard, you know, you could tell he was just pawing at it. Yeah, debating it's, about it. It's like when I had to do. Oh, I did a commercial. Or I did a parody sketch, Brandy Brandy. That was the only Brandy done by Looking Glass Cell for the song right. Brandy. But I remember I had to go buy a Brandy bottle, and I went to like my friend in a in Uva Wine uh, DJ, and was just like, "Hey, I don't drink. I'm a little baby. <laughs> like, what is Brandy? <laughs> Give me a bottle." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that's why it also does feel like Tucker Carlson did a fucking notes pass on it because it yeah. is like a toddler telling you a story sometimes. Like a toddler. This is a coastal elite. Yes. And this is how he lives his life. He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have anybody he really loves. <laughs> and he most certainly does not have Christ in his life. My God. Yes. Uh, Christ is definitely a character as well briefly in this. Um <laughs> So, yeah, basically, like, you know, this insurance guy has to go and get this signature because he's he's under the gun. His boss is looking out for him. We'll get into some of this a little bit deeper. Uh, he's going to get a $6,000 bonus, but actually it's 4000 It gets confusing. And he needs to go, but he goes to this, uh, uh, basically, the projects where they're, they keep saying immediately, don't be here at night, especially if you're white. But then, he, or no, he goes, what, because I'm white? And then there's like, they say this line two maybe three times like it could be white black 
brown, red, <laughs> yellow. Like they do the classics of that speech, but it comes right. up multiple times in why they cut people, why they make people bleed. Uh, and so this project is run by the vampires who are a gag. <laughs> And a supernatural game? Supernatural, maybe? It's unclear sometimes. And uh, uh, it just so also happens that there is a telephone operator played by Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> who is fucking someone in that building. And he ends up being the John McClane kind of in this situation to get the 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 insurance guy is essentially the woman from night of the living dead so it's that part of the siege like it's right. like where he's like a borderline comatose sometimes and unhelpful and they're trying to get out of the building so that they can survive and then mixed in there we'll find jan michael vincent as a vietnam soldier <laughs> caricature <laughs> what okay so Right, that was... <laughs> remember uh, all that footage that used to be up of that one movie he could barely get through? I don't know if I... Comp- I knew in the back of my brain, Frank, that I guess there's like... He's an alcoholic and a I, drug addict, I, re- I think. Yeah, I think it was on Inside Edition or A Current Affair. I remember watching it as a kid being like, wow, the guy from Airwolf really doesn't have it together. He could barely make it through any... T-. He was like struggling. He's like drunk. He's just like red and sweaty and he can't get through his lines to speak of one of your best impressions he is borderline orson wells level yeah trying to film that wine commercial (laughs) also he i wonder if like he ad-libbed any of those racist lines he said (laughs) i must be because they didn't feel comfortable coming out of his mouth and they almost didn't make sense sometimes and i think again where it would weave in and you would just be like, wait, was that even a racial slur? Because it would almost like come at you so quick combined with. So this movie is, uh, and I do want to give a shout out in a weird way to the uh, cinematographer, Ernest R. Dickerson. Yes. I wrote this down. I think one of the reasons Enemy Territory was kind of blowing my mind a little is it was a good example of what, one of the reasons of, uh, you know, the things I think we love in uh, low budget, closer to exploitation movies is that it could be terrible at moments, like lower than student filmmaker level. And certainly, and why I was thinking about this with Jan Michael Vincent's racial epithets, the audio is wildly all over the place it's either like they had a boom mic they forgot to actually put over the scene like the guy was just standing there like oh shit yeah and they're the the adr is so or the adr is wild because sometimes there's can hear people in the next room it wasn't ambiance noise but it's like oh you you could you could hear it clipping there's one (laughs) moment frank where i had to go back because I was convinced what we were watching was someone transferring their DVD and them laughing at a part. Because it's when they're run- when I think it's when Stacey Dash is getting chased when she escapes the building and all of those guys are chasing her. And they're- it's supposed to be like an escape from New York kind of make you creeped out laughter sort of thing. Uh, or like the movie Siege or The Giggler. 
uh, uh, in Death Wish 3, but it sounds so out of place and weirdly loud that I thought it was just someone going like, because <laughs> it sounded like when you and me laugh out loud at movies, and we're just like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, and yeah, Although if, one of them might have been saying like, can you believe we're doing this? I know. <laughs> and they're like, yep, good. Let them in. Let it stay in. And then sometimes just the craziest ADR ever. So even yeah. Jan Michael Vincent, again, his racial epithets that come at you like, you're like, whoa, did that just happen? Sometimes it's you can't hear it. Sometimes it feels like he ADR'd himself. And then you're like, wait, maybe he didn't ADR because he's slurring again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then other times in this movie, there's like touches of brilliance, touches yeah. of of filming, like actual shot beauty and like these these interesting editing. Uh, you know, Peter Techner did the editing and there were like a handful of times where I was like, oh, that's smarter than it needs to be. <laughs> like yeah. that's cooler than it needs to be. Um, yeah, the cinematographer Ernest R. Dickerson. Yep. He directed Juice, Demon Knight, Bulletproof, okay. uh, Bones, uh, and then also later on went to di- direct uh, episodes of The Wire and Dexter and The Walking Dead. I'll say, too, I recognize this guy. If you look him up, you would recognize him, I think, as a talking head. Like we oh, always yeah. joke about, uh, we always joke about his talking, like us wanting to be a talking head, and it's not a joke, people. We want to be fucking... Uh, Oh, he directed the TV series The Purge, two episodes. Oh, yeah. the car. You yeah, recognize yeah. him, right? Yeah. He's certainly on some shutter. He might have been on, uh, I'm just guessing, Horror Noir. Curse Films. Um, oh, yeah. yeah is he in right. Curse yeah, Films? He's in, because I think it's the same production company uh, who does those. Okay. Ernest R. Dickinson's great. Like, and yeah. you can see that he's working. On, that's the thing. This movie. And he actually says useful shit in those things, those talking yeah, head things. He does. He's one of the few that stands out. <laughs> um, the thing you got to remember, um, but uh, that's why. Okay. Like, this is, again, why we do this. Be- and this is why we've also talked about that in film school. You should fucking be just telling people do exploitation movies. Um, because. That's what's going on in this movie. There's a lot of people. You can tell that it's a lot of people that will go on to good things and that there's also just a lot of people like working under the restrictions of like an Empire Pictures because um, uh, it does. It looks fucking great sometimes. It yeah. truly does. Um, it, it impressed me. Uh, uh, more than I, I, I thought it certainly would. I just thought it would because it, it does happen sometimes like I still haven't finished it, but just thinking of another Siege movie, there was that movie Siege, and I think it was like a low budget Canadian one, and it came out, Shudder put it out, and I need to go back to it, uh, just because like I just like started watching, I was like, this isn't going to be one of those ones for me right now that's like, this was the hidden gem. Um, yeah. It just wasn't completely working versus this, where I was like, oh, okay. Uh, also say, with the editor all the credits for this are fucking great. Uh, and also this editor did most of those, uh, lower level Will Ferrell movies, semi pro kicking and screaming land of the lost, but also edited Borat dodgeball, oh, wow. a true underdog story, legally blonde Two, Josie and the pussycats, Charlie's angels, wow. 28 days. I mean, literally the late shift, They're all like comedies. Yeah. 
Uh, the Brady Bunch movie, which I've been meaning to rewatch oh, recently. I I rewatched that and a Brady sequel, and I still love it. It still made me laugh. All right. So this is now my favorite editor. Because also, this Uh-oh. is the trajectory, looking at this. Because like, if you go at this, like, there's a couple, two things before, but then Enemy Territory. After Enemy Territory, Frank, Phantasm 2, editor. Oh, yeah. And then Editor of Society, which is a crazy fucking yes. movie. That is, a, yeah. Bridery yeah, Animator, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Puppet Master 2, and then John Candy's Only the Lonely. Uh, wow. Little Rascals, Brady Bunch, The Late Shift, the TV movie The Late Shift, Private yeah. Parts. I mean, these are literally some of our favorite movies. <laughs> so this this production team is fucking killing it over here. Um, I think I, it's kind of it shows like kind of like you know I think a lot of these people are either at the beginning or kind of like moving up in their career. Yeah, and it's really cool to see those glimpses of like. Uh, brilliance or like what what they're going to eventually do you're seeing their process and i yeah. kind of love that i mean it's one of the reasons uh, we, the billion reasons we watch this i mean at the same time not necessarily in a, i'm not even saying this in a bad way like you have like a director who did like a pretty good job in this yeah. but Peter like end up doing nugan yeah but did demonic toys seed people right like didn't end up being like, oh my god, I didn't know they did all this amazing stuff that I <laughs> right. Like, it's not like a my Joe life. Dante like type, but yeah. Yes, yes, it's not. They can't all be Joe Dante's. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and so I'll also say like, you know, we said music right, like from that first song, I was in. Oh yeah, the Boogie Boys, I believe, is their name. <laughs> yeah. They did that yeah, and the, the end Boys. song. Yeah, they did. Wait, so did. Ray Parker Jr. Uh, do any songs for this soundtrack? No, which I was or trying to... Or is he to part th- of the Boogie Boys? I don't, I don't, maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. That's why, like, I don't... It's it's sad that there's not more information on this movie out there. Like, I even did my usual... Like, I'll usually go to BNS about movies and see, like, what his review was, and I couldn't find an enemy territory. I was like, oh. Like, I can't find anything. And so you do want... Like, I was trying to think of what other movie we watched recently where it's like... Why would you have this person in the cat? Oh, oh, ne- yeah. never too young uh, to die. Yep. Why were we like, how die. is Gene Simmons not really doing a song? Yeah, Gene Simmons or Vanity, like yeah. Yeah. Now that being said, Frank, Ray Parker Jr. might as well have done a song because he truly does deliver all of his lines like he is singing the Ghostbusters theme song. Correct. <laughs> I mean, and for you, that must have just been a dream. Like, it was... You no, know he likes the girls. Yes! <laughs> it just, everything had that little bit of sweet... Like, and literally, yeah. every line he delivered was that way, and especially counter to, nah, nah, I don't know, man! Like, <laughs> there... We had talked about this, about, like, the annoying, like... Uh, improvised flirting but it's not as bad as uh like loose bickering or forced yeah. bickering in a movie where it's like oh these two do not get along what's gonna happen here <laughs> and it's like no i don't feel that it's uh it's kind of yeah. yeah forced and it's a little uh because he's just they're just yelling at each other and there's like there's no nuance there for they, it to be like a it's like, true oh, these people don't get along you know they're from different worlds yes you know? Uh, yeah, Gary Frank, the main guy, uh, he's an actual actor. I mean, they're all actual actors. That's the other part with this. Like this, yeah. is, the casting in this isn't of people who are actors at all. And actually, you can tell 
most of the people who live in the Lincoln Towers, which it was crazy. Like, as soon as they pulled up, I was like, I think it might be the Lincoln Towers. And I think it might be they're up on maybe 86 in New York. Because at first I was like, is this the, the building that's either the other side of the Williamsburg Bridge um, or in the Lower East Side or in Dumbo? Because it like, but then you realize like, oh, the architecture just always looked the same for essentially yeah. the projects at that time from 1970s, the exact same low money that the government spent on these fucking things. Um, but Gary Frank was like a Lee Strasberg actor. Like, yeah, you know, he was in Family, which was like the big thing, was like a TV show uh, uh, for like 86 episodes. But he's in Remington Steel, Hill Street Blues, everything. But you can tell that almost all of the actors are like shakespearean trained style like like yeah especially like the african-american actors because it's just like it just feels like yeah, of that Todd. time yeah like you can tell because candy man himself yeah a candy man himself because i would also say like one of the fun parts of this movie is uh there's a uh sometimes lack of self-consciousness in the and lack of self-conscious in the uh, lines that will get thrown out. But also there's no, you can tell there's no worry about like, do we have too many monologues? <laughs> right. At all. Like, it's like when you're like, you look at a script and you're like, I did the finger trick. I've got a big chunk of dialogue. <laughs> like everyone has the opportunity to chew up, the scenery, the script, and everything around them like they're a fucking manic shark. <laughs> except, well, except for uh, Jan Michael Vincent. Except for Jan Michael who, Vincent, yeah. It, who, at one point, it felt like he they just kept the camera rolling like he forgot his line. Yeah. And there was too big of a gap, and he's like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, my God. It is... Uh, J. Michael Vincent's character is wild. Also, mind you, J. Michael Vincent. So yeah, J. Michael Vincent's playing the one guy in in the building who you don't want to fuck with because he'll shoot you. And what he ends up being, hey, Garcia, was enough. <laughs> we should have never been there. Should have never been there. And then I love Ray Parker Jr. Be like, hey man, I was a nom too. <laughs> Might have been my what I mean top five favorite moments in the movie because it's like that was like one of the more realistic conversations. The guy who thinks oh, he yeah. could fucking win, he's like, I was a nah man. And Ray Parker's yeah. like, Look at me. I'm up here fucking this woman. I got a normal job. Like <laughs> I'm not sitting in my weird apartment covered in either sheet metal or aluminum foil, taking right. up the very small amount of real estate that you have in a New York apartment, mostly with flash floodlights to <laughs> blow out someone coming in, but you don't let anyone in, so it doesn't make any sense. Um, but he, he, well, we shouldn't have been there. We just shouldn't have been there. <laughs> we shouldn't have been there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, it, man, it, it was like shocking when he came out and shocking that that was all his role was. Like that, it was because he didn't completely help. Um, <laughs> Not at all. I will say with this movie too, and I texted you this. I was legitimately invested in it. Yeah. Like I don't. I I'm not gonna lie. I love all the movies we watch, but it doesn't mean I'm necessarily like, wow. I really want to know what's gonna happen here. 
Um, well, you admit that you skip a little bit. Jeff, have you tried this, though? Uh, if you watch a movie on YouTube or most streaming services, they have a speed option. Oh, boy. I can't. And you can watch. If, if you start to kind of be like, all right, I kind of get what's going on, just speed it up. Maybe don't, I should don't try. skip it. I just don't feel. Don't skip it. Don't skip it. <laughs> Flip it. Um, I just worry that. Look, I have a look. I do my own research, and I have a slightly unfounded, but I do think it's a strong point that it really freaks me out when people listen to podcasts on one point five or two speed, because I just think that you're, especially the how I listen through my my hearing aids. You you really are doing this intimate relationship with something in your head, and you are rewiring your brain to think that that is how we all should be talking and listening to each other. And I don't right. think it's a good thing. I think like it's this is my people being like you want people watch too much porn and it rewires your brain. I'm like, <laughs> don't listen to too many political podcasts on 1.5 because yes. you oh are going God. crazy. <laughs> I but no, but for parts of this movie, especially when they're like creeping around or they're outside, because it takes for fucking ever it does. <laughs> there were a couple of moments i i sped it up at 1.5 and it felt like it was just normal pace. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i was like oh cool i was like wait did i speed it up oh i did yeah uh that is fun sometimes when you're like oh maybe they fucked up um yeah i mean it, that's the thing it's like both it is has moments of slow there are moments where you're like we could get this going quicker and i will say with my investment uh, you know, not necessarily to jump into the end, but I did. Uh, look, I was dis. I was hoping they would actually resolve some of the things that they brought up. Like, I was very concerned with the money situation. Yes, because that's her money. Well, yeah, that's it. So basically, what's happening here, people? The movie starts with our white ghost, as they keep, as Tony Todd yes. calls him very emphatically all the time in a fun way, like everything he says. But essentially, the insurance guy starts with a monologue that feels like he's auditioning for Lee Strasberg, uh, where he's really, he's basically going off on Carol, some woman named Carol, saying, I'm fucked financially, Carol! Carol! Uh, and I just want to keep saying Carol after it. But we basically are let in, like, here's the insurance guy. He fucked up somehow. He's an alcoholic somehow. Yeah. He has a new bottle of Jim Beam in his drawer. Maybe he, I mean, that's like $15 max. Yes. That bottle. But, like, also, it's like, did he make gambling debts? Like, what did I miss? No, like, you didn't. His, it's his just. Issue was? It's just what drinks. It has the problem of I would give this direction in sketch in like three oh ones and directing mod teams all the time where I was like, look, you can have the one sided phone conversation, but it can't be this long or with this much gap in between. Yes. Because like at writers, younger writers think that the audience will fill in as much as they think they are. And yeah. I'm like, no, like you gotta find a way to like let us know. And so because you're left with questions like this, and ultimately it's not completely important, but it kind of is. You're like, okay, what is this guy's deal? Because ultimately he does survive, spoiler, at the end, but he's still going to be fucked. He's still an alcoholic. He's still, he's got a leg that's fucked up and he doesn't have the money to solve his problem and he still needs to drink. Uh, yeah. Jeff. Yes. I think this should be a 
Tim Allen, the Santa Claus situation, oh. where he takes over for Jan Michael Vincent's character. Nice, yes, the Jan Michael, uh, the 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 Santa Nam is what we call it, <laughs> and you become a cliche Vietnam veteran. Uh, by the way, a cliche Vietnam veteran, and I know I brought this up before. Two the points. The Viet Claus. The Viet Claus, <laughs> even better. Um. Uh, I know I brought this up before, but one of my favorite sketches I wrote for Maud, again with Maud that on UCB, that uh, nobody else liked, including the audience. I've told you it before, but was oh right, yeah. This has been a cliche Vietnam veteran character from a movie reading Tiger Beat magazine, and it's just him <laughs> yelling about how his legs got taken from him in the bush. That's what this character felt like, but also. Yeah. Those legs are jimmying and jamming left and right. I don't. I oh, think yeah. he's lying to us about his paraplegicism. He's probably pulling a George Santos here. I think he we got a Santos. He's one of these like kind of cosplaying weirdos that right now are into Q and all this yeah. other shit, where they're just like they have all these artillery weapons, and then it's like. Uh, you see them drop it and like shoot somebody. It's oh, he's definitely into Q. I wrote that down because he goes off on that crazy speech that comes yeah. out of nowhere and then leads to nowhere. It's just like a burst of in between where you're like, did he just use a Rachel epithet? To is he just giving us some weird conspiracy theory that sounds as about as unfounded as Q? <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and he did say something about prepare for the storm or something. So who knows? But uh, oh boy. <laughs> Um, so this guy has to go in and get this signature and, uh, the money we're talking about is that, well, one, his boss, who is another cartoon who also, how is their office set up? He looked like he was in an individual office on the 12th floor because it was scummy and it had like the, like, Oh, don't kill yourself bars. Like, yeah. uh, the post Eric Clapton sun bars that all of New York has to put up. That is the legalities. I remember my yep. landlord telling me that he's like, that's why I got to get them there. Cause you're a kid <laughs> <laughs> because of Eric Clapton. Yeah. Okay? Cause friggin' slow hand. Um, uh, <laughs> I appreciate everything else he does. I was like, Whoa, easy slow uh, hand because of the jab. Yes, exactly. He's got slow hand because of the jab. <laughs> he ain't no, he ain't no electric boogaloo. Um, but <laughs> Uh, and then his boss seems to be on a ground level in Times Square <laughs> right. in a much nicer office. Right. Um, so for some reason, the boss is like, look, I like you. I'm going to give you this. It's an easy fucking sign. Do you think the boss knew? Do you think the boss is trying to get him killed by the vampires? I see. I my mind, my conspiracy mind was like he set him up. Yeah, I think he so. set him up or. It could be a lesson to him because this is something I, I'm. I mean, I'm not surprised, but like it could have been addressed in the movie of like, again, coming from different worlds, right? Of him realizing his white privilege and where he comes from is that his problems are all manufactured through him. He has caused his own problems. He has caused his own uh, strife, and uh, he doesn't know oppression. He doesn't know what it's like to have to survive day to day. Uh, because a gang called the Vampires control the building at night, which I'm sorry, but with a, a, a blue-collar building, uh -huh. uh, people are going to get home after 
dark. Well, it's New York too, Especially right? Especially <laughs> in the winter where it gets dark at like three. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so know. the vampires just have free reign where they're like, I can't, sorry, I can't go to work or I can't, or I'll just sleep here at work because the vampires will kill me. I was also worried they were so, I mean, that's again where they're supernatural. I was like, wait, can you literally not go out in the sun? Like you are really holding to this. Like they're, They are committed to the bit. Yeah. To where all of a sudden they've got like when that little boy gets shot in the face, they have a Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet style graveyard yeah, in the basement or something where it's just like neon or lighted up uh, crosses. Wild. <laughs> yeah, that basement uh, graveyard. I was like, wait, is this going to turn into like Penitentiary 3 slash death sentence or death warrant whatever the jcvd one is that has basically the guts. same exact deal guts <laughs> guts 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 wait so just to go back quickly your conspiracy theory which i kind of like is that the boss is trying to teach him a social morality lesson about so. his wife's privilege like, yeah he is he's, he's like, trying to scare him straight I, I out of that, that fucking booze yeah, he saw that new bottle oh man and see but his but he also still him. wants two thousand bucks <laughs> <laughs> well his his boss before him taught him the same lesson. That's how that's how you raise in this 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 business in the insurance business. Um or he's in cahoots with the vampires and he sends ooh. people to the vampires for their bloodlust. He's their Renfield. Uh Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So this guy, I mean, and basically this guy gets there, but he does really show up. I mean, that's where your conspiracy does work because the boss like clearly has to know. Although this guy, the main guy doesn't seem to know anything. He just, that's also, that guy's motto is never learn. Like he learns nothing yeah. in this movie. Um, uh, and, but he gets there after night, gets to the nice lady who's listened to Christian music nonstop uh she doesn't think she's gonna die anytime soon but she wants to cover her girl her her uh, uh granddaughter's butt um uh so she opens the four locks and gets him to sign it there's a reason it's not just his alcoholism that he's in trouble like he's a bad insurance salesman he is so unpleasant he's like can yep. you just sign the contract can we just get this signed i can't can take that go please can we just get out of here um, but she gives him, I thought she was giving him, I thought she was taking out of the refrigerator bullets to fit because <laughs> it was nighttime and she was going to put it in her gun, but it ended up being her roll of cash. And yep. it's, it's That's this, a good place to put it. Yeah, it is. Um, I guess it was the $6,000. He's like, I can't take that. And he's like, okay, never mind. And right away you're like, oh fuck, man. Um, there are a couple red herrings that I thought were going to lead to something like, when he gets, I'm just thinking of this, just popped in my head. When he gives away his jacket, he takes his jacket off and throws it down. I yeah. swore the contract was in the jacket, and I thought that was going to be a plot point. Because oh. it's signed, and he needs that, because this is what's going to help his life out. But it kind of doesn't matter, because what becomes a running thing in here, which I guess you could possibly, if you wanted to be crazy and write a film grad studies thesis on this, there could be something written where it's essentially he keeps having to pay off the money. Like he has the 6,000 bucks and he keeps, there's more opportunities where Ray Parker Jr. is like, give him some cash. They either like break a window, buy shoes, like all the things. And then eventually Ray Parker's plan is to just blow money out of a fan. So the vampires get distracted. Right. 
And on one end, it's very stressful because that's the main thing that invested me. I was like, what is he going to do when he gets out? He's still going to need this money. Yeah. But you could draw like where you're like, because this is confusing politics and kind of lazily swerves into it. You're like, is this supposed to be like reparations? Is it supposed to be like some sort of like concept that they didn't bother filling out? You know what I mean? Because it is enough of a thing like they bring up when he's like i mean and it is one of their there are a couple there are a handful of crazy moments in this movie one being that uh as is pointed out by joaquin that uh within like the first 10 minutes a 12 year old boy is shot in the face that is wild yes. That is a wild way to start a movie. A shotgun blast to the face. And it's disturbing, yeah. It's literally disturbing. And how it's shot is disturbing. Much like when yeah. Psycho is, we think he's dead. That is like a disturbing Oof. shot. Um, that at one point when the insurance guy uh, tries to John McClane himself down a balcony and ends up in a window, <laughs> two young African-American Oof. girls, like eight and 12, their first reaction is to yell out, oh no, are you going to rape us? And oh. to which he has to be like, no, 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 no. I hated that part. Yeah. It's like, is this made for laughs? Like, there were a couple of moments like that where I felt like, is this supposed to be funny? Yeah. And not in a hot really- resort, hot chili way where you're like, you know no. it's trying to be funny and it's just not. Jeff, I have a pitch. Uh, so you're saying about the money, how he has to deliver the money back. What if uh, there's a scene where he comes in all shot and haggard and the the boss is still there late at the office, you just kind of only lit by the lamplight. And he uh, he looks like he doesn't even hear him come in. And all of a sudden, bloody cash just gets like dumped on his desk. And he goes, what the hell is this? And then he goes, you know what? I'm out. You come back here. You give me the rest of my money. And then he's like about to take a drink from that whiskey and he goes, you know what? He tosses it to him, and he kind of fumbles with it, but he catches it. He goes, keep the change. <laughs> yes, by the way, people, as again is pointed out, the Ed song is so disconcerting because it's a Boogie Boys song. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, and it straight up is just John Carpenter's Halloween theme, but like used as a beat for a hip-hop song. Um <laughs> And no credit whatsoever. No, 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 and no, this, no. This is before the sample, before like the whole like. Uh, well, it's uh, enough that it's like sampling. not enough of a like turn into a hip hop song quick enough. Combined with it's slightly different enough that I sat there for a while, being like, "Is this Halloween? I this thought the can't same be thing legally. So it can't be." <laughs> um, I love your idea for an ending. I mean, it would probably be a little bit more of just like, "I don't need this." Take it. Right. I'm out of here. <laughs> God to Carol. Carol. <laughs> um, I also do love that the boss would be like, oh, wait a second. There's only like $200 left. <laughs> I thought he was going to end up with Stacy Dash, too. And I was like, oh, no. She's 18 at best. Get out of here. Don't do that. Um, yeah, you're very concerned, or at least I was very concerned with what is he going to do money-wise? What is he going to do with this? It's still that lady's money, as you pointed out, the grandmother. Yeah. She survives, and she, she seems happy. Money, she still owes that unless fucking he money. Pays for it unless the contract got lost, and then it never got signed. 
I mean, she still needs the money. (laughs) Yeah, she's still not covered. She's fucked. No, it all doesn't work out for anyone here. Um, uh, But yeah, so and so there's the the two young girls. There's also, and this is why it was like, do they think they're doing some sort of uh, the the white guy paying for his sin sort of theme, the Sims of it? Because again, why the weird questionableness? Where again, it's like again, Tucker, Tucker Carlson did like a, a only like a, a punch up, but not to all of it because then in other times it's like, oh, you're drawing a commentary on how fucked this situation is, right. because he wants to rent Chet, who's one of the little right. kids, because Chet knows how to escape. And he's like, right. I'll give you three hundred dollars for your kid, four hundred dollars, and the mother, rightfully so, is just like. You're trying to pay me money for a black child. Do you understand? Right. Who will you putting in danger? Who will die? Yeah. Who will be murdered if you run into these guys? So not only are you working off of a history of of the white culture purchasing African American culture, even if you didn't have that tricky subject, what are you a dumbass? You're no. you're paying to have a ten year old kid, like end up in uh, definitely danger. Like there's no yeah. way. And for you, who cares? Who cares about you? Like I, I, there is a bit that like who cares about this guy at a certain point. Uh, I will say the very fun. Another fun that kid Chet is Dion Richmond, who was Rudy's best friend in the Cosby Show. Nice Kenny, and I loved Kenny. And she's the one yeah. he would always call Bud. Um, That's what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. But he's also, I remember being like when he's in Not Another Teen Movie. Uh, right. Oh, right. He's the, he's the token black character, I think is right. maybe his name. And also, maybe even more important to me, at least, he is little Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy's Raw. Raw. Yeah. yeah, and Samuel Jackson loves his bit because he's talking, giving the joke about like the the monkey, and he goes, "And yes. I kick him in the ding ding." <laughs> I when I was uh, I think maybe five, and I saw that scene in Raw. Yes, I was watching Raw at that uh, oh, yeah. age because I was a huge. But um, I laughed so hard, and I was like, "I want to do that." Yeah, I want to. I want to tell those kinds of jokes in front of adults. And the first moment I tried it, I got in such big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure uh, he's great in it. Uh, 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 but that scene is again very uncomfortable. And at least that one, they call out the uncomfortableness. Um, yeah, uh, and the, and it, like I don't know if you, you yeah, know, that's and, not what you do anymore, right? Which is good, like, but again, leads to the confusingness of what this fucking movie is, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, just because we're we mentioned him before, like Tony Todd's the Candyman himself, and I called yeah. him Todd's because I wanted to say Candyman's, uh, <laughs> is so amazing. He's the leader of the vampires, and. He's got so many hand movements. Like, they have so many secret handshakes and vampire oh, yeah. things. As vampires do. As vampires do. We all know the Part lore. The lore. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. And Rice has a whole, like, three chapters on it. Oh, so much. Interview with the vampire. That The unabridged version? Jesus. Just descriptions oh, yeah. of handshakes. Part of the interview is them talking about their hand motions. Yes. Um, 
but he's pretty amazing in this. Uh, he is wild. Every single yeah. speech he gives is insanity. Uh, that one speech where, you know, there's a lot of threatening of assault on women in this movie. Yes. He does go into a speech that's basically like, we're going to create more holes in your body and then have sex with all of those holes. And that's not even me doing like a summary. And he does it more poetically than I said it because he literally, he delivers every single line like this. Like he's, he, no one in a good way is uh, pulling punches in this movie. Right. They are all going for it in the best way possible. Um, and Even the the security guard, who at that point I thought was probably one of the best actors in the in the he was movie. awesome. Yeah, when he goes, I don't give a pig's tit for your honor. <laughs> I loved him. Yeah, there's the security yeah. guard who's looking out and like, and he's kind of just like, it's not about race. This place is fucked. Like, like I I don't want uh, my job is to fucking make this place not be more of a nightmare than it is. Like. While he's calling basically the guy a dumbass. He's just like, what yeah. are you doing? Um, uh, because he is dumb. Like, he's just like every move he is. Like I said, he's he, he it's not even the, the woman in Night of the Living Dead, like I said, where you have the excuse of she's feeling the trauma of what the fuck is going on. Like, yeah. he's just ignorant to the situation. He uh, he is the ultimate will not read the room. Like, kids come up and say they want two bucks. He's like a dick to them, like, to, to watch the car. I do love that immediately. As soon as he walks away, they're like, oh, let's go steal that radio. Let's get the stereo, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, yell it out. Um, and he's like, I fucking kids. Um, immediately touching that kid who gets the shotgun in the face and, like, ready to fight him. And not yes. understand. He's like, what? I just pushed him a little. <laughs> um, uh and 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 he but that's the weird part again of its confusing politics where it's like he's such a dumbass but it does fall into the many subgenres that it is of 80s movies to make us f- be scared of the other like yep, 80s exactly. movies Being to like, be scared of the projects quote unquote yeah to be like Oh, we don't know. That's the most dangerous place you could ever go to. You don't go there. You don't go to that side of town. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, even if that side of town is like in directly in the middle of New York, like sort of thing. <laughs> it, well, apparently they filmed that on the Lower East Side. So that was Lower East Side. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So I think it's. I I think I can picture where it is. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and so yeah, it is. I forgot too the like when the 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 security guard when he's like I sell insurance he's like I hope you buy it too <laughs> like good <laughs> comeback from that fucking guy uh, vampires come in all ages you get bit you join or die love that um, uh, so yeah he's a terrible insurance guy he's a jerk uh, uh, I do I mean it's pretty amazing that this predates Die Hard and I guess it's like just dumb luck because again my wife was like do you think they saw this movie and like thought that was like a good idea here or there i was like i don't think so i don't know if anyone saw this movie but just the fact that ray parker doesn't have shoes which is a oh, thing right. 
and because he's like, and why he does have shoes is maybe better than John McClane's. It's because he goes to the Lincoln Towers because he's got a girl he's fucking, and he's in the middle of fucking. <laughs> like, right. That's legitimately what's going on. He's he's on his phone route, but he needed to stop off, and his partner's just like, I hear you. Like, go get laid. <laughs> Wait, so did we ever see her? No, I don't think so. So who she's knows like, what happened where did to he her? Go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's still sitting there half naked waiting for her to yeah. come back and finish. Three hours later yeah. he comes back in. Uh no. and she's like, uh Yeah, I mean it would have been funny if it was like the sex worker later. Like just because right. like you're like, oh, there she is. Like that's who it yeah. is. <laughs> that's um, who it was. And yeah. She got surprised because she was with another client. <laughs> yeah. He's like, God damn it, I know that window. That's the stinger at the end of the credits. <laughs> All of a sudden you see her waiting there and just being like Ray Parker Jr. She says his name instead of the Yeah, whatever his name is. That's the mid credit scene for the ETU, the Edamary Territory all, Universe. Because <laughs> after all, Jeff, he likes the girls the most. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Ray Parker is a vit he likes the girls the most, and he's a Vietnam vet, as you mentioned before. That's yes. why and he's and there is like it's what I also appreciate in this movie. They do kind of like, what's the zombie squad? It's the bottom line where it's just like one sentence to get away with shit. They're just like, he's like, why are you helping this guy? And he's like, I don't know. I'm a vet. It just was seemed like my instinct. Like, right. it's just like, okay, cool. That works enough. Like, that's yeah, pretty that good for me. It's like, yeah, it's like, I didn't have time instincts. to think army training. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, also he, I, this is where, when I said, is this supposed to be funny? So, when our New York, our, our insurance guy stabs one of the vampires. It's Psycho, and he right? he dies. Yeah. What? Psycho gets stabbed, right? Or is it someone else? Was it? No, it was somebody else. It was someone else. I didn't even know where he got the knife. All of a sudden, I was like, oh my God, I'm as shocked as this well, guy. Well, he gave it to him. He oh, said to okay, keep okay. him. Like, that's why. It, but like, when he freaks out, I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Right. Like, because he's like, and then he goes, is it the blood? And I was like, oh, is it supposed to be a joke that he's not upset he killed somebody? Is just that he's squeamish about blood and that's why he has to cover him up? Yeah. It, it just didn't have the gravitas that it needed of like, oh my God, I took a life. And Ray Parker Jr. being like, look, I was in the shit and I know exactly what you're going through. Right. It's not it's not easy. You took a life. It doesn't matter if they were good or bad or like whatever. Yeah. You took a human life. That's heavy. But I'm going to help you get through it. We have to get through this. We have to survive. Right. None but of I that. don't think that's what, yeah, because like, and yeah, was it played for funny? But that's also a scene that I was like, oh, this became a red herring, but I thought it was just partly just a setup to get to him taking his jacket off because he, when he was taking all the stuff out of his briefcase, the insurance guy, and he took the money and then the contract, yeah. he folded it up and I thought he put it in his suit jacket pocket. He probably did. There probably was a cut scene or they didn't yeah. even think about it. Maybe that is. It's, yeah, it's like one of those things where you write in a script and you're like later. He gets like, outside oh. the building and goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, <forgot>. exactly. <laughs> we got to go back in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, because that's it. Again, with that, when those little kids go like, are you going to rape us? Like, you're like, oh, is that supposed to be a joke? But then it is followed up with, again, him giving money again and him being like, give this to your mother. And then they're like, we're not going to give this to our mother. We're going to use it for gummy worms. <laughs> right. gummy 
were. <laughs> like that's where you're like, okay, I don't know what the tone of this is supposed to be. Um, uh, I did love Tony Todd's like warrior style speech to his children. Oh yeah. Um, again, I don't remember what the line was, but it, going off of your thing, where it's like the confusingness of if it is supposed to be funny, but he points out the insurance guy goes, "Oh, sorry, black humor." But even oh, that yeah. is weirdly loaded because they've played with racial politics kind of, but not completely. <laughs> you know, there was one, I don't think it was intentional, but it it's maybe implied a little bit when um uh when when Psycho comes back and they kill him again and he's got the baseball bat, he takes a baseball bat and just ke- keeps beating yeah. the dead body and Ray Parker Jr. is like, "Hey man, like chill." Yeah. Like it's to me it felt like a little bit like hey this white guy's enjoying this a little too much yeah yeah and and especially without having enough of what you talked about before with the like i get what it's what you have you're freaking out like you killed a guy like there's something interesting if they had left something then earlier on because you could connect it a little bit to like now you've gone over the edge yeah, like you've got now, a bloodlust. Yeah, now. now you have a bloodlust, and now also your kind of racial proclivities are coming out in a weird right. way. Um, uh, I did love the grandmother calling uh, Tony Todd a dime store Darwin. That's like, what, yeah. I was great. like, who wrote, I wrote that line down, and I was like, who said that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, White Ghost is freaking out. Uh, it's also a little bit pr- proto the raid. Like the fucking, yes. which is great. I mean, I love as you do the raid and the raid too, because yeah. um, uh, it does have a little bit of like, oh, that's what we're doing here. Like, obviously, it's a siege style movie, but it is a escape a building while you go from like level to level, like it's a video game almost. Because that is the other part. Like, it's fun that it's set up that way. Like, it does drag a little, but it is like the vampires are checking floor by floor, room by room, but they also have to go through room by room. And that's part of it. Like almost like a video game, you're paying out for weapons and each one is like a new thing. There's little kids. Now there's Chet who can escape. There is the sex worker who might've been the biggest waste of money. Like it's the whole thing is for the joke that she's like, Oh, you don't want to have sex with me. And he's like, nah, it's not the point. I just want to get out of here. But ultimately they paid a couple hundred bucks to sit in the place for like two minutes like I was right. like, what a waste! For well, that. she has a client there, yeah, yeah, and the but client's they, like, can we get back to this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I paid for the hour. Uh, yeah, he's freaking out about blood. Yeah, I really was worried oh, about that jacket. Yeah, I have a question. So, one scene that felt like a sketch again, back to J. Michael Vincent's. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, vet character when he says, "You know why I got that bird." And then, like, after he explains it, because if, like, the gas or whatever, it's, like, to... And he goes, that's brilliant shit, man. And then he goes, you know why I got that cat? I thought the whole scene... I thought it was going to keep going, where he's like, you know why I got that vase? You know, like, it's just going to keep have big. We have read that sketch and or <laughs> written a version of that. Because, oh, yeah. yes, it, it, and that was, like, some of the QAnon stuff. But, yeah, it's like... It is like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, Canary in the Coal Mine. And then he's like, you know, yeah. I got that cat. 
because I think they're trying to poison my food. And sometimes I have to shoot a gun to make the cat come out. And then he starts shooting in his own apartment just to make the cat come out. And that's what leads to his crazy conspiracies, but also seem very funny to me when he starts shooting in the hallway. Because I just pictured him. To me, that would be maybe the blackout like beat in the sketch where he's like cats attack <laughs> but he does it by shooting <laughs> so all the cats come swarming out <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um i'll say i mean also a very canon move but also if unless i forget doesn't lead to a lot that the government provided him with a wheelchair that has a crossbow attached to it <laughs> Uh, I think he uh, went to Circuit City and uh, yeah. souped that up himself, though. Jim. I'm going or with I, Shack, I'm going me. with your theory that he might not have even been a knob. That Ray Parker Jr. actually was no. a knob, and he's just a cosplaying fucking January six fucking neckbeard, but in right. Jan he, Michael Vincent's <laughs> drunk body. <laughs> he was flat footed or some shit. Yeah, or he, exactly. he dodged it, but then he like was like, "Oh, why didn't I go?" They wouldn't take me, and that's why he's not really a paraplegic. That's why he says that. He he broke yep. his back, but he's moving both of his legs. And at first I was like, okay, it's just the left leg. And then he starts moving his right leg. And I'm like, he's too drunk to remember. He's not supposed to be moving his fucking legs, but he's yeah. stuck doing these born on the 4th of July style speeches. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I will say again with shots and this speaks to the fucking cinematographer. I can't, I think there's a shot of, is it, it no, it's not Stacy. It's Stacy's in the background, but it's like the vampires l- trying to get into an apartment, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. weird. It's off focus, but then it's focused in the back on what, or is it the opposite way? But either no, way, you're right. Yeah, you're right. it's it's the it's focused on Stacy Dash to show how she's trying to get around, but then also it's kind of it's a little clever too because. I think they didn't want to use a real baby. Yeah. Because that lady has a baby strapped to her. <laughs> right. And I think they didn't want to use a real baby, but they're like, well, it'll be out of focus. So then he can rough her up while we hear a baby crying. Yes. Yes. There's definitely there's definitely lots of uh, going on. I know that that baby's in the scene, but and you said with the ADR, there's also a lot of... Yes, the laughing and the baby crying, but a lot of like screaming and sirens like in the background, yeah. eighty yard, um, which ends up feeling wild. Uh, but yeah, that shot I thought was fantastic. Like I just thought it looked so yeah. kind of fucking cool. Um, uh, yeah, I love Ray Parker taking the fucking steam out of fucking Jan Michael Vincent saying he was a knob too. Right. Um, What's the deal with Ray Parker Jr., his character? I feel like this was his choice. He kept doing this whenever they're like kind of going around. He keeps grabbing Stacy Dash by the the shoulder, but then like pushing her and leading her to where she was already going. Right. Yeah. He'll like put like pull her back, but then like push her to go. I think uh Nam doesn't teach you about agency. Uh, True. It just teaches you about claiming victory. Stacy <laughs> uh, Dash. Stacy Dash. You know, look. Oh my gosh. Really, he's just really ruined it. Um, for some reason, it, I don't know. It's so picky. But when J. Michael Vincent's like, "This is no cage. This is a bunker," I was like, "It right. just." I was like, "Should have been fortress." Just, I feel like that just sounds cooler. Bunker still feels like you're hiding versus fortress is like fucking 
don't come to my fucking castle sort of thing. Right. Like, But that also speaks to that he's a fake Vietnam guy. He's just playing the fucking role. I think he made it up. I mean, look, you can go to the Army Navy store in New York. I, I, if it's Lower East Side, I actually can picture the yeah. one that they went to. Yeah. Exactly. Not I know too exactly far from Empire Candy, about. I believe, and ABC No Rio. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, almost went in there to get glasses one time. <laughs> yeah, man. You get those cheap black frames shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, man, one of the worst when I was being so cheap, I definitely like bought sunglasses because i was like oh yeah they basically look like the cheap black frames we always wear but they definitely had a little bit too much of a sunglasses turn (laughs) i had to kind of replace those too quick because i just put lenses in them but then i was like i look crazy i look like i'm (laughs) borderline wearing arnais um uh yeah i oddly felt for that guy every time he had to pay more i love the poster that said astronomical in the back it's just a cool poster Uh, cool. I mean, the fucking the sex workers' room was awesome. Like it just yeah. looked cool as hell. Um, why would the insurance guy fake being the phone company when Ray is right there? Is there a when reason? He's literally, the phone company, and he's giving his ID so that she's yes. like, "You sound like, white, you don't sound black." Yeah, this guy's like, open up, bitch. <laughs> it's <like what? laughs> and it's like this guy is here like let ray speak just have him do it he's infinitely more charming than the insurance guy he's ray (laughs) parker jr i mean jesus christ speaking (laughs) of which the gene meet on uh ray parker jr i don't know if he he stuffed or what but it was just like a big bulge in his pants he definitely poses a bunch so you can see that bulge i mean he's looking i mean he's standing with like leg up like he's the Fonz on a fucking But it's not even gene meat. It's just a bulge. It's just like like maybe it's all balls and he just like put it over his dick. Maybe he has elephantitis of the nuts just like in Johnny Dangerously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, uh, What's his name? Newman is uh, scared of. Um, uh, Griffin Newman? No, Griffin Newman's our friend. Why am I blanking out his name? Who is the actor in After Hours? Oh, that's Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn, Jesus Christ. Always a brain fart. Griffin Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that was Larry the Cable Guy's original. Larry Cable the Guy doing movie trivia. Griffin Dunn. Larry the Cable Guy's in the next Noah Bob Beck movie. And he says, Griffin Dunn. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah. So the the elevator... Oh, yeah, I wrote here, just after the $400 of Chet, they really swerve right into racial relations out of nowhere, nonstop. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, the elevator plan, was their idea to kind of do a John McClane, like that they were going to move the elevator so then they climb down the shaft? And that's I why they were think... rewiring it? I don't know. And Yeah, I don't know. And he's... I guess he's just kind of a jack of all trades if he's a telephone guy, but he knows how to wire a elevator. Work for the elevator company at some point. Uh, I did like Psycho coming. Like that shot was amazing. Dude. Like, and then getting I batted into the fucking shaft. Wow. Yeah. And then like his face just being like he was like leather face when yeah. he comes back and he's got a drill. See, like that's all the full moon like shit. Like you could see it. It's just all. It's all bubbling underneath. Die Hard meets 
the slumber party massacre driller killer for five seconds <laughs> in a crazy way uh meets uh, uh silence of the lambs face cutting <laughs> um yeah uh man i fucking uh oh yeah i wh- so kadeem harrison's in this as is he yes. a vampire or is he someone who yeah. lives in the tower okay yeah he's one of the lookout vampires because they they sent two outside I think because it's partly because he does kind of sound like when he's delivering his character in I'm going to get you, sucker. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of fun. And it's, again, you know, it is as much like a canon thing where it's like this is kind of a theme or an idea that could have maybe been explored. But I feel like maybe it was cut out. And I feel like they were doing it more because it was for fun and joke purposes. But it kind of, that was the first time it showed the cracks in this idea that every uh, every uh, complex has is run by a certain gang, it's usually yes. a different ethnicity, and in this case, the Af- the, the the black uh, gang is the vampires, and they uh, are after vampires, and everyone goes along with it. Nobody questions in the gang. Yeah, but them talking about how they hate being the lookout. Yeah, is kind of fun because it's the first crack in it. It's the first crack yeah, in, like, this isn't as seamless as they are acting like it is. There's mumbles of mutiny kind of yeah. throughout, like, towards the end. Yeah, which is great. Like. And then when they see him bested, too, they're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, which isn't bad. I mean, that's the thing. I wonder if they were thinking that was enough to lead up to it. It did feel like they could have maybe had a little bit more mumblings and yeah. direct competition. Sort of. It was like, are you questioning me? Sort of thing. Like, we kind of almost get there, because especially towards the end... Like, Tony Todd is all over the place. He's, like, directly threatening Stacey Dash to have more holes in her that he will fuck. And to eventually, he isn't all over the place. He's just on the roof, which made me think they maybe only had him for one setup towards the end. He had to go do something else. They were like, let's just get a lot of monologues on the roof. (laughs) I'm going to rip out your heart and suck your blood. And then be like, I am immortal. He does really start to, towards the end, lean more into the vampire thing. Like, he's like, in case you oh, forgot, yeah. this is the shit we decided on once. He had a god complex. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, when they're in the basement, just legitimately, everyone was itching. Do you think they were trying to act like they were cold? Or I thought the guy was having DTs at that point, but they didn't play into oh, that at no. all. Um, because it didn't matter to Ray Parker because he's truly looking cool as fuck. He's like in his Fonzie yeah. pose. Um, big old, big old bulge. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they have a, a weird plan that Chet is going to help them because he knows the way out because him and his friends kind of crawl around in the basement. It's kind of a people under the stairs thing. Uh, right. Another yeah. movie that actually handles racial politics more successfully than Correct. this movie. Um, uh and uh and basically they're like we can't fit through this hole they did not think about that at all that a child <laughs> yeah right it's like i'm eight and i climbed through this thing stacy dash is like i can do it and they're worried about her she's like i know these streets i grew up here and it feels right. like the minute she gets out immediately the latin gang they're attacking gets her. To her they're laughing yeah. they're chasing her they're trying to assault her um and she holds her own yeah yeah 
going along in that part too, and you know, it's amazing. Like because honestly, I think the answer for me is just like all of the soundtrack was kind of awesome. It was all like surprisingly better than you think it. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. Wasn't cheap synth. It actually had interesting ideas. Uh, they kind of go in and out of like hip hop songs sometimes, but mostly it's kind of synth stuff. Sometimes it's hip hop synth. Um, yeah. And there are only a couple that are totally weird where you're like, is this played as like when the kids are walking and it's like bloopy? It's like bloop, 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 yeah. bloop. But when she's getting chased, I was like, man, that's a good musical move. There's like a fast sequencer section and then they pull down the speed and it's still the same yep. arpeggiated sequence, I think, but it like. Don't 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 don't. And kind it's of great. reminded me of a stabbing westward song. <laughs> this, I mean, here we go. Here is the Jeff Frank connection. Here, remind you of a stabbing westward song. And then I was about to say, there's one main theme that reminds me a lot of an '80s Tangerine Dream record. Uh, oh, okay. uh, it, and it's almost like to the point where I was like, are they using it or ripping it off? It's like something in like either white Eagle or Hyperborea, um, uh, in like green desert, that lost record. But, uh, that's how good it is to me is that it's, that's how good it is. Frank is that it could sound like stabbing Westward, um, yeah, there you go. but that it's like, it is, it's, it's the closest to sometimes sounding like eighties TD. Like it sounds like the dream, like, and, and because it actually, it doesn't feel like they farted on a synth. You know what I <laughs> right. mean? Like it, it it feels like they actually thought through the scenes and how it works in it. Right. And it, it also doesn't feel there's a couple of moments where the arpeggios feel like out of the box, but then yeah. uh or like, you know, they just yeah, took yeah. the the keyboard out of the box and just played it as is. But other parts feel like they've actually took the time to It's to like the rest of the movie, it. right? It's yeah. like how like you're like oh that cinematography that sound seems pretty out of the box, like it's just easy pat and then you're like wait a second you fucking really thought through this and it looks fucking cool as hell, um yeah cops suck, uh in this she makes it all that way gets assaulted and yep. they're still like yeah your story's true but we ain't doing it you don't like it get out of here it implies that she gets in uh, they assault her because they're like we're gonna strip search you it's again enough it's one of those. Uh, why it's a could have been a canon i thought i was thinking that but i don't know if they thought that that's what it was and it makes it extra icky and i kind of would like it to not be obviously but right uh except for you know in a fuck cop sort of way but uh it did feel like there was like kind of like jan michael vincent throwing around racial epithets where you're like whoa did they just are they like is this midnight express like sort of thing you know what i mean where it's like we're gonna strip search you um tony todd is like uh mark mckinney and uh brain candy he's basically just like my empire is crumbling yeah (laughs) um man i'll say i love our good friend jason gore i think it was with jason the other day where he's like we somehow brain candy came up and i think he might have said he didn't care much for it and i was like yeah get out of here Get out of here. Yeah. But I think he also admitted he maybe hadn't seen it in like 20 years. Um, great movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I just watched it again. Yeah, I go to bat so. for it nonstop and all the time, and you and me yeah. both. Uh, that bat lock was pretty cool. Like using the bat to wrap oh, right. around the chain. Great. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, it fucking worked, man. Um, oh, yeah. that's around the time, too, where he goes, um, 
I know you you expect me to say go on without me, but you've seen too many movies. I was like, oh god, there's a trailer <laughs> yeah. line to make it look like he's actually it's actually a fun movie. Yeah, exactly. Right I mean, you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah. Or like it's lighthearted. Uh, yeah, and it's like it doesn't land. No, no. He just comes across as like one more being a jerk line. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, because uh, even I was dri- being driven nuts with the Batlock thing, where I was just like, motherfucker. Why are you telling them to hold it? I guess because he's looking to see if Kadeem Harrison and the other guy have moved with the money plan. But like he's like, no, right. not yet. Not yet. And it's just like, get it going. They're right there. Um, <laughs> they And then even when they got out, you're kind of like, yeah, they kind of made it. Like yeah. they're, the vampires aren't going to be stopped by the sun. And then there is a moment where you're like, are they going to be stopped by the sun? Like is this? Yeah, where they're all like, yeah, like, like just like start melting or something. Every it's well, yeah, it's like a it's like a, yeah, because it's like no, it's just the honor system to be like, hey, the sun's about to come up, and yeah, like, I know, and it's like because uh, you're committed to the bit. It is uh, the vampires are the improv team at Triple Crown, which is a very very small bar where weird indie uh, shows would happen in New York, but like the team where you're like you're not funny and you're way too committed to the art you know what i mean and you're like yeah. you're taking this opening like way too serious like you like it should just be vaguely to generate some information right um, this and- invocation has taken up most of your set time <laughs> you came out to a to a fucking empire state of mind <laughs> but you're singing to the entire empire state of mind like we get it you're from new york um chill out and much with the vampires yeah i truly was gonna be gasping if they were like <laughs> uh and i'm glad that it but it also was vague that if they did or not but uh yeah and then tony todd is out there and he's got a shotgun he does yell out i am immortal and then someone swings a swing at him takes him down and then there is a pretty fun shot like a little like lighting shot that it's like when he dies the light hits him yeah like it's like the light has come on him instead of him living in the dark sort of thing i was like that's pretty good yeah the sun has finally risen yeah but i mean but that's what this movie is you're constantly honestly just like well that's better than it needed to be uh, <laughs> exactly and truly now like again like doing this episode like looking at the credentials for most of the people involved like that's why like no wonder you went on to be either the cameraman like the dp or the editor behind like some pretty funny fucking things like in some pretty interesting things here or there like you know like you've you've yeah. got an idea like and this is the beauty of low budget exploitation movies is that it's a way for people to fucking earn their cred and like and learn like on the job and i'm sure they were learning on the job and you can tell and ultimately it works like it's like it it is uh uh it's a movie that legitimately like when i i when we first got suggested enemy territory i was like "Eh," like i said i was like this is gonna be another boring action movie i'm sure it'll be fine and then I read the YouTube like tagline description. I was like, okay, Die Hard meets the Warriors. That's pretty yeah. good. Not what I thought it would be. Can't live up to that, really. 
And then honestly, it kind of did. I was like, it, it it lives up to what the promise is. Like, yeah, it's a wild movie, and it's and and on top of it all, it's wild. So yeah, enemy territory. I mean, I I I I loved it. Uh, it 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 made it extra disconcerting that Keels Cream wanted me to watch an ad twice before we uh, watched the movie, but uh, <laughs> really got me comfortable to get in my skin here to watch yeah. Jan Michael Vincent as Parker. Um, did we miss anything in uh, Enemy Territory? Uh, when he asks the kids to to watch his car, one of them says, "Are you simple, man?" <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, the name of the the song at the end is "Friend or a Foe." Yeah, by the Boogie Boys. And this was written by Stuart M. Kaminsky, uh, you know, for the Kaminsky method. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it was, he's a noted mystery writer, so it was really weird. He's got all these different credits and stuff, but it, he was a big uh, mystery writer. And Bobby Liddell, who this is the only credit that Bobby Liddell has. Wait, where'd you go? I'm right here. Oh, what's his only credit? Oh, this, you know, it's amazing. My brain had a fart. Because I was like, my brain had a fart when you said, this is the only credit he has. I was like, yeah, what is oh, it? Oh, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> but I now you? I'm like, wait, yeah, one movie. We just watched it and talked about it for an hour to have you dumbass. And here's the thing, Jeff. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and here's my last two cents. Stacy Dash is great. Wait, what? Oh, <laughs> oh no. my God. And I mean now, not before. <laughs> I only like her now. Um. I like the spray paint title. It was terrible spray painting yeah. if it was real spray paint, but I love right. that enemy territory <laughs> became the I title. Thought uh, the same thing too. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's that's all my yeah. remaining observations. Oh, it made uh, one hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars. I don't know what the budget was, but yeah. <sighs> Look, can someone just give us like a Cannon Bros imprint? Like it's just like or could have yeah. been a candidate too. Like we and we'll do something with this movie. Come on, people. Enemy territory. It feels like it should exist. I would love I would love extras on this but movie. Less ra- racist, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, we're not remaking it. We're just gonna repackage <laughs> it and then to talk oh, on the commentary. I see, I yes, see, yes. I, see. I mean, hey, look, if someone wants to pay us to make enemy territory. I'll bring back the original fucking crew. We can fucking get same cinematographer, Hell same editor. Yeah. It'd be awesome. It's like you get a second shot at this. Yeah, get it right. Um, bring back everyone. <laughs> I think Tony Tao would be totally down uh, for doing this right. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I loved it. I, I'm so happy it got picked. Thank you, Joaquin. Uh, it was so good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I hope you appreciated it. Uh, uh, I, know, I know you will. Um, and at this point is where we got to give a rating. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is where we give our cannon rating one to 10 cannons. How many cannons is this movie? And this is a non-canon, but if Canon did make it, how canony does it feel? What do you think, Frank? I'm going to give it a, a nine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm close to a 10. I would be probably a 9.5. And Joaquin uh, uh, mentioned earlier about how, like, you know, nudity is not essential, but we do kind of get a, a tie. I can't tell because the, the the transfer was so blurry. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if the the um, sex worker was topless. I couldn't tell. A little hard to tell. 
Yeah, but so like it, but it it has all, it like it hits all the marks of a canon film. It would definitely get a little bit more canon. I'll give it a nine too, because yeah, like I was just surprised there wasn't nudity with the amount of assault talk. Right. But that would have been the canon move. Right. You know what I mean? That would have been the like have its cake the and Michael eat Winter, it too. Yeah, oh my gosh. Michael Winter yeah. doing enemy territory would be bad news. I mean, that's basically Death Wish three. I mean, it's kind of the same Yes. A little bit of the same kind of It definitely has some Death Wish three qualities to it. It's in the same yeah. world. Um I, Just down the street, Death Wish Death Wish three is happening. Yes, exactly. New York is that in shambles. Maybe we really did hear the giggler when Stacey Dash was getting chased. Right. Yeah. yeah was down, they were filming down the street. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was great. Uh, uh, nines across the board. Uh, but thank you, uh, Joaquim, and thank you, uh, all of our Patreon members. But uh, this was an awesome one. And if you want to uh, pick one, we'll tell you about our Patreon in a second. But Frank, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Canon Canon. Second Canon is one in. And as I said, patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. If you want to pick a could have been a Canon for us, along with other great bonuses, we got early episodes. We got some commentaries now and then. We got some soundtrack videos. If I could find the soundtrack to this, I would definitely do a video for this. My God, I'm sure it has not been released anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, you can pick a could have, so join up at our Patreon. We would appreciate it. And until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia-Hale. This is The, the Cannon. Cannon. Carol! Oh, Dracula took my coma. Oh.